Tanopalava, you're listening to Tangata Utemuana from RNZ Pacific. I'm Elisha Foon. Coming up first, we take a look at the biggest Pacific news and sports stories of 2023. Also, Today is about getting together, putting some parcels and some packages together for our people, some of our people that are doing it tough at the moment. Super Rugby's Moana Pacifica take on the role of South Auckland Santa and... Ashfall has been witnessed in the islands of Hawaii. RNZ Pacific's releasing a new documentary featuring survivors of Hungatonga Hunga Haapai's volcanic eruption. It's been a prominent year for Pacific News as Lydia Lewis wraps up some of our biggest stories. More than 100 people died in the Lahaina wildfires in Hawaii. My whole neighborhood is gone. It's just all gone. Homes damaged, bodies on the street, cars abandoned, all caught on fire. People were jumping in the water. It's like a movie. Like It's like a movie. These are things that you see in the movie, but it's... That's what it looks like. Our town just looks like The Walking Dead. Vanuatu was hit by three severe cyclones in a matter of months, all surpassing Category 4 strength. To have had two Cat 4 cyclones in less than a week is history in itself and something that even the elders in our families haven't seen before. People trying to carry people with disabilities on their back. I was trying to hold my door from 5pm till about 3am. I was just using all my force with my hands and my backs, back and legs to try and hold the door because if I didn't, it would snap. Vanuatu journalist Dan McGarry visited vulnerable communities. What I found was quite disturbing. There were tarpaulins pulled across roofs, you know, just to provide some sort of temporary shelter. There's one woman, she has no home. Both small buildings that she owns are completely gone. She has no livelihood at the moment because her employer, of course, isn't calling her into work. You know, she's lost everything and she's without the means to return it. It's a tough, tough go for a great many people here in Port Vila. I've seen Vanuatu come back from Pam. I've seen Vanuatu come back from Harold. I am positive Vanuatu will be able to bounce back from Kevin. Then in May, there was tropical typhoon Mawa, which hit Guam. And on the backdrop of very real and devastating impacts from the climate crisis, Pacific leaders stood together at COP28. I came from my home island to work with you all to solve the greatest challenge of our generation. I came here to build a canoe together for my country. Instead, we had built a canoe with a weak and leaky hull full of holes. Yet we had to put it into the water because we have no other option. One of the outcomes calls on all countries to move away from the use of fossil fuels, but does not include explicit calls to phase out or phase down. The Secretary General of the Pacific Islands Forum labelled the outcomes as a disappointment as he reflected on the year that's been. Overall, COP28 was a disappointment. We will never give up. We have to continue pushing. Mr Puna was, however, pleased to see young Pacific climate warriors at COP and other events throughout the year. A young but fierce Brianna Fruin attended the United Nations General Assembly. It's so important to have young people in the room and to have civil society, people who actually aren't getting paid to be here. 
Uh, but coal, oil and gas needs to be something that's addressed and the plan on how this will be phased out needs to be talked about. Those representing the next generation at the table, Pacific leaders, started the year fractured, but through Talanoa, unity ensued. The fracture is now history. You know, we've all collectively decided to move on, so we're not looking back. Kiribati President Thanes Mamal told RNZ Pacific in February at the Forum Leaders Retreat in Fiji that the leaders have a duty as a Pacific family to stick together. I think we have a duty as Pacific family to keep, to keep us together and to, to meet the challenges together. Because in unity, we surely will succeed. Fast forward to November's leaders' meeting in Rarotonga. Australia announced a controversial treaty with Tuvalu on the sidelines of the meeting. While Tuvalu's Prime Minister, Kalsiana Tano, is pleased, the current opposition leader is not. Tuvalu is uh, floating aimlessly without a rudder. It is floating, being put onto the currents of confusion. Turning to politics now, Vanuatu had the most instability, with two Prime Ministers ousted this year alone. Fiji marks one year with new Prime Minister Sitiveni Rambuka in power, and French Polynesia elected pro-independence leader Moitai Brotherson. Nui re-elected Dalton Tangilangi as Premier. Tokelau elected Kalihiano Kalolo as the Uluo Tokelau, and they also experienced COVID-19 community transmission for the very first time. And a big development in Papua New Guinea's Inga province, the Pagera mine is to reopen, but concerns remain around settling some of the local issues. The way in which the government got around the need to have compensation agreements in place before the issue of a, a special mining lease was to pass a, a, a piece of legislation which basically said, look, the existing compensation agreements before the closure of the mine will allow those to continue in the interim while new compensation agreements are, are relocated. The Bagheera region had been beset for years by violence, typically tribal fighting. Then on August 24, Japan started releasing treated nuclear water from the defunct Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power station into the Pacific Ocean. It was a move that got the Pacific and the world talking. The, the products from Fukushima um, are perfectly fine for uh, consumption. Would you drink the water? Well, you know, I was asked this and many people in Korea were very angry at me because I said that I would. And as the year comes to a close, a New Zealand pilot is set to spend Christmas in West Papua. These indigenous people have suffered a lot. Indonesian government should do more to end impunity, human rights abuses in West Papua. But this is a hostage situation. The most important is to call on this group to immediately, unconditionally, release all of the hostages, including the New Zealand uh, pilot. Philip Mertens was kidnapped in February as an attempt by the West Papua Liberation Army to direct focus to their demands. Our demand is clear. They support Indonesia, supply firearm, war equipment, and also they train Indonesian military and police to kill West Papua for the last 60 years. So we, so we need to talk with New Zealand government face to face. We will not negotiate with Jakarta. 2023, a big news year for the Pacific, 
led by the climate crisis, politics and geopolitical tensions, which are set to simmer into the new year. New Zealand's Minister of Foreign Affairs Winston Peters set the tone for the coalition government's Pacific engagement, making his first overseas trip to Fiji. RNZ Pacific editor Karoi Hawkins accompanied the minister and his delegation and filed this report. Winston Peters says New Zealand has an important role to play in keeping the Pacific region on a peaceful pathway. In Suva on Friday and Saturday, the Deputy Prime Minister met with Prime Minister Sitiveni Rambuka of Fiji, the Secretary-General of the Pacific Islands Forum, Henry Puna, and also held an informal breakfast meeting with the President of Tuvalu, Kausia Natano. Talks covered economic resilience, climate action, trade and tourism, labour mobility and people-to-people links. Despite a busy domestic schedule, Winston Peters says as foreign minister, he wanted to get out into the region as quickly as possible. It was one of the most important things that we need to be dealing with going forward. First of all, cooperating with Fiji as a critical country and where the Pacific Islands Forum is placed and looking forward to some of the things we have to work on going into the future. The most important thing, of course, being the, the peaceful uh, future of the Blue Continent and the key role of New Zealand and Fiji in that. I believe we have a big one than this. Fiji's Prime Minister Sitiveni Rambuka says Winston Peters' return as Deputy Prime Minister and Foreign Minister of New Zealand is good news for the Pacific. The pair held their bilateral meeting at the Grand Pacific Hotel, the first for Winston Peters and for the coalition government since its formation. Sitiveni Rambuka says it's good to have someone who knows the Pacific sitting in Wellington. Uh, over the years, uh, with our association, you understand where we are, where we are trying to get to, and uh, it's, uh, it's definitely a really good news for us in the Pacific to know that a friend of the Pacific, a uh, person of the Pacific, has been uh, appointed Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Foreign Affairs. On Saturday, Winston Peters held an informal breakfast meeting with the president of Tuvalu, Kausia Natano, before visiting the Pacific Islands Forum Secretariat. The Forum Secretary-General, Henry Puna, says the Deputy Prime Minister has signalled the new government's seriousness about its Pacific engagement in prioritising a visit to Suva so early in his tenure. Your presence here today, Deputy Prime Minister, as part of your first official visit, sends a very clear message to all that your government will continue to prioritise the Pacific. And as a founding member of this esteemed institution, New Zealand holds a special place in the Pacific regionalism and continues to play an important and instrumental role in driving Pacific priorities within and beyond the oceanic borders of our blue Pacific. For all the pomp and ceremony, this was very much an introductory visit. No new announcements or commitments were made. In fact, the only real certainty came from Winston Peters effectively shelving a request from the Prime Minister of Fiji for consideration for visa-free travel to New Zealand. Uh, It's something that uh, we have listened to, but we're also a country in New Zealand that has inherited an immigration record in the last 12 months of 128,000 people that was never forecast, never predicted for the new government to handle 
And so I tried to make it very clear that we've got a clear and present problem we're trying to fix or work on now. Fiji's Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Finance, Biman Prasad, says a visa-free Pacific would strengthen regional economies and improve security. Mr Prasad says there's growing consensus among Pacific Islands leaders that this is the way forward for the region. Uh, there is a lot more to gain you know, out of a free uh, movement of people, capital, investments. Uh, there is this huge economic potential. And apart from that, uh, I think a much more united, much more deeply uh, integrated Pacific is good for the security of the Pacific. On the aid front, Winston Peters would not be drawn on whether or not there would be changes to the focus of New Zealand's official development assistance to the Pacific under his watch, although he did say he wants biannual performance checks on Pacific cooperation arrangements to make sure things are getting done. So we get understanding and cooperation that we don't have the uh, disparity that arose in recent times, and I think that there are a lot of things that we need to do, particularly experienced politicians, to get far more out of the Pacific Islands Corporation and ensure that uh, we have performance checks uh, on probably a six-monthly basis, that what we've set out to do is actually happening and not just drifting and drifting and nothing changes. Commenting on Winston Peters' prioritising Pacific engagement, a Pacific historian and AUT lecturer, Marco de Jong, says while Winston Peters may be well-versed in ways of Pacific politics, the coalition government's lack of Pacifica MPs and some of its policies on climate change and Pacifica communities in Aotearoa puts them on the back foot. There's already been concerns shared by a number of Pacific leaders, Palau, Sa'or, Tuvalu, around their commitment to you know, a fossil fuel-free Pacific and some of their security priorities. So New Zealand's long traded on an independent, nuclear-free and Pacific-led foreign policy. So Pacific nations will be watching very closely to see if those ideals um, are carried on by this current government. Winston Peters is back in Wellington this week, the final week of Parliament for the year, with the main event, the new government's mini-budget on Wednesday. With the Papua New Guinea government failing to table the Bougainville independence referendum, the government in Booker wants to go forward on its idea for a moderator to solve the negotiation impasse. Bougainville's Minister for Independence Implementation, Ezekiel Massat, hosted UN officials recently and raised the matter with them. He told Don Wiseman about what he sees as the solution. The moment national government adjourned the parliament to 2024, it is in direct breach of the uh, Erakoni Covenant where the parties had agreed that 2023 would be the year of ratification. And when the UN came, I was suggesting that maybe we should have a change of the way we utilize a moderator. And I was thinking that maybe we should have, for want of a better word, a working moderator. Do you mean someone who can be proactive? Someone yes, who's, who's got the resources to be proactive? Absolutely. Uh, we're waiting for a dispute to happen, and then the moderator comes in. Probably there's a need now to uh, have the moderator walk the parties through those potential hotspots so that we don't get to that impasse stage. And I think it will save us well 
given the example that we are now facing where the national government, very ignorant of the fact that we had agreed that 2023 was a year of ratification, have agenda parliament to 2024. That's a breach. With the UN, have you talked about who might be a moderator? No. Any names been thrown around? We've got the names on our side, but that hasn't gone to UN. I understand the president and the prime minister have also had the conversation in terms of who it might be. The, I understand also that the prime minister has very much left it to the president to start submitting the names. I've uh, encouraged the UN to also start thinking of potential candidates which they know of. But one thing is for certain, Don, that the uh, moderator will come from our region, meaning the Asia. Australia Pacific region and once we've settled on it then we've made a call for the national government to convene a uh, an agent JSB purely for purposes of dealing with uh, endorsing the moderator accepting that the the government has put off until next year when is the first sitting of parliament and presumably in that sitting there is going to be the beginning of this process of tabling the referendum Yes, uh, but there's a lot of uh, talk that needs to happen. Despite all the anger and uh, all the uh, whatever's happening, we're very, uh, we're very hopeful that the national government uh, opens up dialogue. I'm, I'm willing at this stage even to re-engage with Minister Makiba. The president is also uh, made it absolutely clear that uh, he'd want to have a chat with the prime minister. It's in our interest, Don. Uh, members expressed a very deep concern about the impasse, and they've uh, made the call specifically to, to me that regardless of the impasse, I should continue to, to re-engage with the national government and, and find a way forward on this issue of the sessional order and all that comes with it. So I'm, I'm ready when the national government is ready. I've made it absolutely clear that the impasse does not serve Bougainville's interest, uh, and therefore we have to keep that uh, open dialogue going. It's in our interest to have many of these matters sorted out. An education researcher says NCEA pass rates in the Cook Islands and Niue will fall through the floor if literacy and numeracy tests become compulsory in 2026. The decision by the New Zealand government has huge implications for the realm nations, where more than 80% of students failed one of three tests in June. Caleb Fotheringham has more. When 240 Cook Island and Uwean students sat the new test this year, just 18% passed reading, 45% passed writing and 23% passed numeracy. Michael Papatua, principal of Mangaya School in the Cook Island Southern Group, says the results were a clear indication students were not meeting the requirements to engage with NCEA. There is a need for us to relook at our literacy and numeracy program down in primary and up at junior secondary to ensure that students, when they come into NCA Level 1, they have acquired basic numeracy and literacy skills. The tests are due to become compulsory from 2026, and students will have to pass all three assessments before they can receive any NCEA certificate. But Education Minister Erica Stanford has told RNZ she is taking advice on whether to let students meet the requirement through other standards beyond 2026. New Zealand students have struggled with the test too, with failure rates as high as 44% in writing and maths in June. 
Education researcher Michael Johnston from the market-led think tank The New Zealand Initiative says it's important to certify literacy and numeracy, but a big drop in NCA achievement rates is not desirable. We need to look at an alternative way of approaching this for both the realm countries and New Zealand. What I would advocate would be establishing a standalone certificate of literacy and numeracy and not having it be a co-requisite for NCEA. Dr Johnson says there is a case for New Zealand putting a special effort into ensuring Realm Nation teachers are better equipped. It might be a matter of having a professional development specialist located in the Cook Islands travelling to those remote islands and maybe going on fairly extended assignment to help. Titakavika College Principal Vayanuka says the poor results can be partially attributed to cultural and language barriers. He says students had difficulty interpreting the literacy questions. We are finding that uh, some of our kids, the question is too hard for them to understand and to, you know, really solve it. Education Ministry Curriculum Centre General Manager Rob Mills says a two-year transitional period in 2024 and 2025 will give schools time to adjust to the new tests. He says during this transition, additional standards will be available in local languages to students living in Niue, Tukalau and the Cook Islands. It's been almost two years since the Hungatonga Hungaha'apai eruption, the world's largest in over a century. In commemoration of the event, RNZ Pacific will release a documentary, Hungatonga Hungaha'apai, Stories from the Kingdom, featuring eyewitness accounts and survivors of the eruption. Ashfall has been witnessed in the islands of Ha'apai. We heard this massive, you know, the sound. It kept going on and on, and then I suddenly see everyone panicking and running. People were driving like crazy. The impacts on people were unprecedented. The documentary is produced and directed by Finau Fonua, with videography by Angus Drever. To watch the film, follow the RNZ Pacific Facebook page and visit our website at rnzi.com. Super Rugby's Moana Pacifica have taken on the role of Santa, delivering gifts to 20 Pacifica families in Central and South Auckland. Moana Pacifica work alongside charities and health providers across New Zealand and are role models to disadvantaged youth. The mission as part of an outreach program is to cheer up communities doing it tough this Christmas. Finau Fonua spoke to the players as they prepared to deliver gifts to those most in need. In the South Auckland suburb of Otohuhu, Tongan brass music permeates the premises of a storage building. It's the Dubo College alumni band playing a Christmas tune for the players of Moana Pacifica as they wrap Christmas presents. The team has shown up to personally pack and deliver gifts of chocolate food, drink and toys to 20 disadvantaged Pacifica families in South and Central Auckland. Moana Pacifica captain Sekope Kepu says the Christmas mission is part of the club's outreach program. Today is about getting together, putting some parcels and some packages together for our people, some of our people that are doing it tough at the moment. And 
just sort of reaching out, going out to their families and uh, seeing them and hopefully put a smile on their faces. It was organized by the Fono, a Pacifica-focused health and welfare provider. Fono workers previously delivered goods before Moana Pacifica reached out asking how the team could help out. Moana Pacifica Vice Captain Era Inari says it's an opportunity for Moana Pacifica players to step into the shoes of frontline workers, addressing the challenges faced by Pacifica. Um, yeah, I think we're all excited to see um, how Fono works, um, what kind of packages we can put together, and then also to go see our, our families um, delivering to their homes. Um, it's going to be it'll be a good experience and also hopefully motivate us to do it a bit more often in our time that we get. Christmas can be tough on some Pacific families. Pacifica earn $8,000 less than the overall New Zealand population, according to Stats New Zealand. Funnel Communications manager Frank Goloy says the rugby stars who rise above this are viewed as role models. The players are playing a huge role. In and remember, these are young people too. These players are young people as well with, uh, with not as much experience in terms of thinking about uh, their long-term career and their prospects and having their own family. So when they, when, when they go out and talk to the community and hear the same problems that the community are facing, they, they, they share their experiences. Gepu says from his experience, Pacifica families that struggle to meet ends often shy away from seeking help such as approaching welfare services. He says part of the Christmas outreach is to speak to families and to provide reassurance. You know, speaking for myself, you know, when we do struggle, it's, it's hard. You know, you, you sort of tend to be, to, to be shy to reach out because you, you don't want to be seen as you're struggling. You know, you don't want to be seen that you're doing it tough and it's okay. You know, we, everyone understands and, um, the situation, what we're going through, what we've just come through, the COVID and everything. Being embarrassed, it's, it's scared of being judged from our fellow community. Santa's Little Helpers, the Super Rugby's Moana Pacifica team, hope this act of generosity uplifts and empowers communities this Christmas. It's been a compelling year of Pacific sporting events. From Fiji dominating at the Rugby World Cup to the Pacific Games hosted in the Solomon Islands. I spoke with RNZ Pacific senior sports journalist Elias Satora about the sporting highlights of 2023. Fiji making it into the quarterfinals of the Rugby World Cup in France was one of the, the highlights of uh, 2023 for Pacific sports. And uh, of course, Samoan Tonga also making it into the in, into the World Cup and uh, putting up some great performances at uh, at the World Cup in France. The other one is uh, the Netball World Cup where Tonga you know finished ahead of uh, of Fiji as uh, as uh, the top Pacific representative and um, playing well at at the World Cup their first uh, in the history of uh, uh, Tonga Netball uh, and then they also finishing in, in the top 10 from the event. So um, those two World Cup performances uh, by uh, Fiji and Tonga uh, in netball and rugby uh, would rate as, uh, as the best performances uh, from team sports in the Pacific for 2023. The Pacific Games was also a big one. What are some of the highlights from this event? Yeah, uh, the Pacific Games, you know, for the Solomons uh, to be able to do that, and did it well. The uh, you know the opening ceremony was touching. Uh, watching on on television, 
uh, and of course the, the closing, and then seeing the teams go out there. Uh, I think for me the highlights of uh, the Pacific Games was the smaller teams, the smaller nations coming through and winning medals and, and disrupting uh, some of the, the, the flow, the consistency that had been there in the past games where Nicoladonia and Tahiti basically just dominated, especially in weightlifting, um, powerlifting, in uh, athletics and swimming. Eh? And we had you know swimmers from Samoa, Cook Islands, Fiji, coming in and, and um, um, Northern Marianas, uh, Marshalls and uh, you know some of the other s- smaller nations coming in and 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 uh, being able to win um, gold medals and even uh, silver and bronze in those events where Nicola Dunia and Tahiti dominated and and um, that that shows that uh, uh, the the nations out there the Pacific Island countries are you know are beginning to to put in place uh, programs that are that are helping in in uh, athletes growing and developing, and they are also being able to access international competition uh, opportunities outside of their own countries, outside of the Pacific, where they are able to build on on their talent and 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 their skills and uh, and in, and improve. Right? Are there any other sport events that made headlines this year? The annual seventh rugby series uh, that that is happening every year. Uh, Samoa uh, and uh, Fiji have been part of that with their men's team and the Fijian women's team have been part of that. The fight for the uh, Olympic 2024 qualification went through during the series. Uh, Fiji was able to get in uh, in their men's team uh, by finishing in the top five and um, automatically qualified for Paris. And then the good news is that Samoa uh, is the second team from the Pacific that has been uh, able to qualify for that in the men's competition, and the Fijiana women's team qualified, um, uh, I think, two months back in Brisbane uh, for the Olympics as well as the, as one of the, the women's team from the Pacific. And, of course, Tonga still has the opportunity uh, to qualify from that. And, uh, you know, the series now with, uh, with the first round of matches uh, being done in Dubai and Cape Town uh, in the last month uh, has changed in, in, in the system and how it's being operated. And... Uh, uh, good for the Pacific teams that they now can taste that as they build up to to Paris in uh, in 2024. And of course, there have been some uh, um, you know other uh, sports events, uh, sports teams from the from the region. You know, Vanuatu beach volleyball, uh, keeping with their consistency in uh, in playing across Asia and the Pacific and trying to qualify for the Olympics. Uh, some of the Pacific weightlifters. And not being able to uh, to perform at the Pacific Games and also now in line for qualification for uh, for the uh, Olympic Games, uh, hockey Fiji, uh, you know being able to qualify in the men's and the women's in the hockey fights uh, for the first time for the World Cup next year. Uh, uh, those are some of the other you know uh, uh, highlights of uh, of sports in the Pacific and the achievements in 2023. What's in store for Pacific sports in 2024? The qualification for uh, the Rugby World Cup in 2027, which will be held in uh, in Australia, closer to home, uh, is going to kickstart uh, next year. We have uh, qualification for the for the Olympics in women's soccer that is also going to be happening next year, um, and the uh, football World Cup uh, itself. The seventh rugby series, uh, starting off with uh, you know with um, uh, Oceania Championship next year to see if there are some other teams that can qualify for the. For the playoffs, and of course, the Olympic Games in 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 France, which is uh, uh, going to be the highlight for 2024 in a lot of sports. F- as I said, Fiji, Samoa have already qualified from rugby. 
there are attempts by uh, individual athletes also who are trying to qualify for that. So uh, that is something that we can look forward to in uh, 2024. Naka, thank you so much for everything this year. For the opportunity and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to all the sports teams around the Pacific. That's Tangata Otimuana, our final show for 2023. Remember, you can download us free to your device from Spotify, iHeart, or Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. From myself, Elisha Foon, and the RNZ Pacific team, have a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Tofa, soy